Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 121, Episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck Fox News. It's Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. O'Brien. On the DZ. Uh, that is courtesy of Dr. Studley Ooh. Batman. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Hey, Gray. My name is Miles of Gray. Forever a host of the dailies, I guys. And that is from Christy, no. Christopher, no. Christina, no. William, Yamaguchi, Maine. I will abide neither of those, Who we, I think is what our guest is saying. Okay, well, I would just like to say shout out to Christy Yamaguchi, Maine. Yeah. Pulled up in real life, in IRL, real, yeah. to the show. <laughs> Great to meet you, amongst many other people. Uh, shout out to the man at the DC show who uh, was the listener who came up with Mangazi. Yeah. Uh, yes. This, Who we will continue not to say his name, but I, I I told him I was like I'm gonna forget, but I tell me your name again so yeah. I can properly shout you. He out. tweeted it at us. Ah, oh, damn it! Can I shout out some sidegangers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out! I forgot their names, but to the. <laughs> The two wonderful people that came up to me and said hello at the... They don't even know who you are, bro. At the Mythic Quest premiere. Okay. Uh, and they, they said they heard me here. Hey. And uh, what kind of people they were. Awesome. Where yeah. was this at? What city? This is here in Los in sunny Los Angeles, All California. Right. Hey. hey, guys. It's the morning drive time. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze. Just keep doing that. I want. I want to come see on. If we can don't yorf. No. <laughs> yorf. Yorp. <laughs> uh, ding ding ding. Uh, hey, it's wow. everyone. It's everyone's favorite Michael Winslow impersonator here on <laughs> Daily Zeitgeist today. <laughs> Michael Winslow impersonator. <laughs> yeah. He does impersonations of impersonations of sound effects. They're not great, but <laughs> it's even worse. It's a white guy in blackface, and you're like, oh, bro, you didn't have to do all uh, of this, oh, bro. Uh, wait, uh, I thought that was part of the impersonation. Yeah, like, yeah, see, don't, no one asked. We might as well introduce you. Huh? I learned how to do impersonations from Al Jolson himself. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, wow, <laughs> that voice Jesus. you hear Double is Jade. <laughs> the hilarious and talented Andy Beckerman. Hey. What's up, man? Everyone. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. On this beautiful morning. Oh, Lord. How are you uh, feeling? Uh, terrible. <laughs> With your caffeine, I know you've Ca been yeah. you've been kicking the DC, the Diet Coke. You just got a little bit of of that Celsius in you. I got the Celsius. It's got sucralose. I took a caffeine pill. I will be off. <laughs> wow, uh -oh. that is his uh -oh. promise to you. Promise. <laughs> Jokes will be flying. Um, well. Miles. Yes. <laughs> that the energy took a <laughs> a real ninety degree turn there. On that note, well, <laughs> you're like, all right, I can't deal with this guy. <laughs> I feel like Jack. That is our energy in general when we're having conversations off mic. Yeah. You're like, I don't know how to deal with this guy. Yeah. A lot of energy coming at me. I'm a low energy type of person. If so, you, your you kids know. get all the, the get your all attention the for that, and you That's don't right. have it for. The strange weirdo in your at, in your professional in life. my closet. Uh, <laughs> I I do. By the way, sometimes he, he rents me his closet. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you just show up and unannounced. Hey man, we all got to get back on our feet in one way or another. You know, that's what I mean? right. Yeah. Uh, all right. 
Miles, yes. we are going on tour. We've been on tour. You yeah. and I and Super Producer Anna Hosny are taking our time machine uh, to... We, we were in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, last week. It was... Fantastic. A real gas, I oh, gotta yeah. say. A real gas. Uh, no, it was really fun, guys. These shows have been so, so much fun. Uh, and we're not planning on fucking it up for the last <laughs> three dates. Minneapolis, February 25th yes. at the Parkway Theater with uh, special guest POS. Chicago, February 27th at Sleeping Village with Daniel Van Kirk. And Toronto, the grand finale, February 28th at the Great Hall. Uh, for tickets, go to dailyzeitgeist.com and go to the Live Appearances tab. Uh, for links to the tickets. Andy, yes. we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners what we're talking about. But you should feel free to chime in if you'd like to as we're telling them what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to do our standard four-day-old uh, news story mm-hmm. and tell you what we thought <laughs> of the All-Star festivities uh, this weekend in Chicago. Mm-hmm. NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, it was it was an eventful, fun eventful. Week, weekend. I Thank had a for, weekend. Thank you for clarifying yeah. NBA. Yes, <laughs> NBA. Indeed. Uh, we're going to say NDA? NDA. The NDA All-Stars. <laughs> the NDA we can't All-Stars. tell you who they are. Mike Just Bloomberg's the... <laughs> NDA All-Star Weekend. All female employees. women yeah. that have accused him of sexual harassment. Uh, More gonna... than Trump. That's wild. Uh, we're going to check in with the polls. Speaking of Mike Bloomberg, uh, he is surging uh, because uh, despite the fact that he wasn't in either of the first primaries, uh, because Bernie won New Hampshire and uh, Iowa. it turned into the and Iowa and Iowa. He won the popular vote in Iowa. Uh, he it, it became a Mike Bloomberg bounce where the mainstream media was like, well, what about this Bloomberg guy? Because hey, what about this rich guy that's giving Bernie. us all this money? Yeah. What should we say about him yeah uh we're gonna talk about klobuchar because uh how she picked the colors of her campaign we're, we're un- unsure if this is a bit or if it's reality but if it's true uh she is our new queen uh we are going to talk about the white house correspondence dinner uh making a comeback wait actually, that happened there no it's going to <laughs> oh, okay but they actually hired a comedian this year instead of uh a you know conservative writer or uh Biographer. Oh yeah, who was it last year? I think it was the guy who wrote Hamilton. Oh wow! Not, not Lin Manuel Miranda, the guy <laughs> yeah, who wrote yeah. the Hamilton biography There's that Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, do they are they getting the guy who does those like uh, those song parodies? No. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, a return to comedy. <laughs> I'm wearing tights. <laughs> All I can think of is the, the parody of that guy. I can't picture. <laughs> I don't know what he was actually like. I know the Mr. Show the parody was steps. very funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about Boy Scouts because they are declaring bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Moral should, bankruptcy. Moral bankruptcy and literal and bankruptcy. strategic literal bankruptcy. Uh, yeah, should have sold some Boy Scout cookies. Uh, we're going to talk about... <laughs> Subway going, uh, put it, putting their, what what are the people called who own the franchisees? franchisees? They're putting their franchisees in a difficult position. Uh, we're going to talk about National Chocolate Mint Day. Uh, we're going to talk about Target's shipped. Uh, we're going to talk about what one of the great places to work, Target's shipped. Uh, dog owner poll and Kickstarter uh, 
actually may be a good Woo! place to work. Uh, but first, Andy, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? So. Oh, great question. <laughs> uh, I searched, I mean, there was like basic things, like I was searching like the cast of uh, High Fidelity, but uh, Electrolyte Tab. Electrolyte and, Tab. Yes, and then when that... Uh, actually got me to tabs of uh, stuff with electrolyte, and then I had to look up electrolyte tab REM. I was looking uh. up how to play. I've been listening uh, to New Adventures in Hi-Fi lately. It's a good album. It really is. It is a... Agreed, sir. Uh, it, it is kind of one that... It's the last one with uh, Bill Barry. Is it uh, really? Yeah, it's the last oh, one. Wow. Then he like he had the aneurysm, and, he, and then Up was the first one, the next album. Uh, what band uh, are you talking about? R.E.M. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Electrolyte is, I would say, a top 10 R.E.M. song. What's so, it, I would so say, like, it's just pure, it's like they took the pure kind of pop goofiness of, like, shiny, happy people, but, like, actually did it earnestly instead of ironically, and it's just yeah. really a pure pop piano jam. It's oh. fantastic, and it's very easy to play. I was too lazy to just figure it out on my own. When you said electrolyte tab, latest conversation we've had oh, on yes, this show. Oh yes, guitar tab. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. At first, I thought you were talking about that there was a tab soda that was fortified with electrolytes. Electrolytes. Yeah, and I was like, that's a weird hand. I was assuming. Look, it was, I quit you, Diet Coke. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Electrolyte tab. You've already talked about caffeine pills. I thought you were taking pills with electrolytes in them. Just purely pill-based diet. I need diet right um, with electrolytes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's some great songs on that album. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic album, and I think it's uh, people kind of gloss over it, right? Um, for whatever reason, I guess you know, it, like post automatic for the people. I think uh, people tend. I think Monster really turned a lot of people off. Monster's really good too, actually. Monster has some good songs. Monster's got some bangers. Overall, yeah. I would give it a uh, a, a B. A B in the, in, in terms the of REM the canon. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Miles, where do you think it falls? Oh, uh, that one? <laughs> Quick, top 10 REM album. Oh, that one? Let's turn this into Are You Talking REM? Yeah, right, right. right. Oh, um, I mean, what is the frequency, Kenneth? Hey, you know? he is knows that, it. Is he that knows. literally the only REM song you know? <laughs> Nah, Man on the Moon. Everybody knows the. I know like the, the shit. Off of I only know the like people. the shit. Yeah, exactly. I know those. That's why when you start going to other albums, I'm like, I didn't follow them enough yeah. to know that mm. much. Yeah, and I don't know who Michael Stipe is, but that's about right. the uh, the edges of my REM knowledge. Yes. Favorite yeah. song on Murmur. Oh, um, <laughs> oh God. Favorite I mean, song? <laughs> Andy, what is something you think is overrated? Great. Let's question. keep this all what REM. I, I yeah. What's but, an REM album overrated. you think is overrated? By the way, let's start with Miles. <laughs> honestly, there was like when I was a kid, the the one with uh, Green and Document were the mm -hmm. ones where that made me not want to listen to R. I, I only discovered REM because of Automatic for the People because when Document and Green were, they were kind of like cheesy, like Losing right. My Religion. Yeah. But you go back, and there are great songs on Losing My Religion's on Out of Time. Sorry, Out of Time. Thank you. Right. I love Out of Time. I meant Out of Time. That's funny you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't really pay attention to right. those until no. like, I was like last so year. into Losing My Religion when that song was a hit. I like made my dad listen to it. I was like, what do you think they're talking about, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I liked was the Weird Al on his Al TV. He did a version of it where he was just making fart sounds. Oh, really? And it was great. Uh, overrated? 
Yeah. Okay. By the way, when someone says great question, they either are, uh, that just means that they haven't heard that question before right. or they're stalling for time. Right. Mine yeah. was stalling for time as I opened my phone. Great question. Uh, what's something that's overrated? Great question that I've answered the other three times I've been right, on the show. Great right. question. Green is the sixth studio album by American rock band R.E.M. released on November 7th, 1988 by Warner Brothers yeah, yeah, Records. Yeah. So that's what that's my input. True. Um, the children of famous people doing the same thing their famous parents did. Yeah. I have been thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, especially since moving to Hollywood and yeah. being like, oh, this isn't a meritocracy. No. I see. Um, <laughs> I think if you are the child of a famous person, whatever they did, whether they're an actor, a musician, uh, Miles, in your case, a famous uh, uh, collage artist. Not famous. <laughs> Only recently. I won't, I won't give him that. <laughs> wow. There should be a 10-year moratorium on doing the same thing that they're so if say you're like the child of an actor say you're michael douglas right and you're like i want to be an actor you can't be an actor until you're 10 years old no 10 years later from that decision you should have to wait 10 years there should be a federal nepotism commission (laughs) not to root out corruption and nepotism right because that's just everywhere we're gonna have to once bernie wins we will (laughs) we will start reforming the system you want to make nepotism a little more equitable Yes. You that's want them it. to have to experience the slog and grind a little bit. <laughs> I want to take back the nepotism from the billionaires uh-huh. and redistribute it. Wow, wow, uh, wow. Yeah, socialist nepotism is what I'm looking for. <laughs> nepotism. Is there someone We're gonna change nepotism to nepotism? Is there someone you look at specifically? Because it sounds like you've been thinking, who's somebody oh. that you, who's who's on your list here? Of yes. why are you doing the thing your parents do? No one I can say and still have a career. So <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, ah, missed that so, one. So uh, yes, so I can just say uh, in ge- Michael Douglas, <laughs> so taking, who is a good actor, taking shots at right. Michael Douglas. I, well, there's uh, no shots fired for Michael Douglas because he's a good actor. So I'm like, okay, that's a safe one. Come on, right. put your career on the line right now. Andy. No. <laughs> uh. it's uh, worth we it. have we have three beautiful pets whose oh, mouths. Oh yeah, I need was just going to say something, but I'm not. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, the the pets' mouths need food. Naomi and I both self-made, relatively. Mm. Our parents working in middle class, so I feel safe um, in saying this. Saying, <laughs> uh, but like Michael Douglas, there would be a federal nepotism commission. Uh, you would have to pass a test, right? And you would have to show that you are. As say you're an actor, as charismatic or more charismatic, or as skilled in the dramatic arts, right, You've or the more bar. skilled than your parent, right, who did it, just, yeah. yeah, just leave it alone at that point, huh? Yes, and if not, sorry, you're just gonna have to live on their riches or find something else to do, right? Find yeah. another way Join to soothe your ego. One of the other things that rich people funnel their children into: finance, nonprofits, right. politics. I'm trying to think of examples where the 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 offspring was more skilled than the previous generation. Kobe That's Bryant. Tough. Yeah. And are we only Kobe saying- Bryant. Well, but Kobe Bryant. So I think there's a thing in sports. <laughs> there's a lot of athletes who are much better than sports, their parents. Yeah, where it is a pure meritocracy and yeah, that's somebody true. gets, like just has the ability. First of all, it's not a lot of information that needs to be passed down, but mm-hmm. you get it at an early age. Right. And then you're also just constantly around the game. So like you pick up things that can't be put into words like in a- by osmosis, of, like yeah. you're getting ten thousand yeah. hours by like age four. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Like I think it happens in like football coaching a little bit. I don't know about basketball coaching, but like football coaching with uh Jack, only one way to find out. I know. Uh with Mike Shanahan's kid is like pretty right. brilliant. 
like he's he's a coach of the head, Niners. He's the coach of the Niners. Right. Yeah. Um, Here's a question. Besides Colin Kaepernick, are there other political? But so sports does feel like the true meritocracy. Right. Where if you're good at it, you will get a chance. Right. How many people like are there like Colin Kaepernick who who um, are politically blacklisted? And even though they are good, right, and are like top tier uh, performers, right, <laughs> top tier in whatever sport no, they're playing, a... are blacklisted. I mean, so that... every baseball player before Jackie Robinson's, oh. like, <laughs> they <laughs> should be viewed as as skeptically as anybody during the steroid era, because like, if you're looking at their stats, like they're playing against, you know. Half the best players in the country. Whitey Ford. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who I only know from a Simpsons episode. Right. And that one album. Right. Uh, was that Ever? Who's, whose album was Whitey Ford Sings the Blues? Oh, uh, Everlast. It was yeah. Everlast. Was yeah. it? <laughs> uh, Would you say Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf? Yeah, he was kind of. He kind of got because, yeah, he wouldn't stand for the national anthem back then because he was like, this is a symbol of oppression. But he and was doing that were, in the 90s, and they're like, you're Muslim. <laughs> yeah, and the mainstream media was just like, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When the mainstream me- media was Islamophobic, and not right. anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, boy. Fortunately, yeah. we fixed all that. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Great question. Thanks. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts for this one. But I think I'm going to go with John Sayles films. And I think underrated in terms of like culture at large. I think within film, within the like people who know about film, John Sayles is exactly rated as he should be, which is as a fantastic filmmaker. Right. Do you guys know John Sayles films? I do. No. Uh, Eight Men Out. uh, Lone Star Star is one of my favorite. Okay, I know Lone Star. Yeah. Brother from Another Planet, Passion Fish. There's a ton. The Secret of Roan Einish is one of mm-hmm. my favorites. Passion Fish. I think it's Passion Fish is the one where like it just blew my mind. It starts off as like a rom com, and then halfway through it turns into a thriller. Like the genre just changes. It's not jarring though. I think it's Passion Fish. Mm. Uh, it's one of his, and I think that's the one of like Mary McDonnell and David Strathairn. But he makes films that are social films, but they're not like. Issue films, if that makes right. any sense. Like Crash is a issue film, <laughs> right? Not the J.G. Ballard Crash, the um, the one that's about racism. The Paul it's Harris. an important one. film about one racism. that solved racism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But they're they just the characters live in a social reality, and they are like. Do you guys watch The Expanse or read The Expanse books? No, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are loving it though. They're pretty good. They're not great, but they're pretty good. And they have the characters living in a political reality, and they're affected by right. politics without there being like this is this book is going to deal with terrorism, and right, this book, right, without right. having like a capital letter issue that they're going to deal with. Right, they're just like right. they live in a social reality, and that affects who they are and what they do. Same thing with John Sayles, except down to earth and more believable characters, and you know, God, it's about the world we live in. He's yeah. been making movies, uh, or he hasn't made a movie since 2013. Yes, it's tough for him to get financing. Yeah. Um, but he makes a living as a screenwriter. He's been making films. I was reminded of John Sayles because he was on Michael Moore's podcast last oh, week. And I was just like, oh, God, I love John Sayles films. Yeah. Hmm. I just haven't watched one in a while, I guess, because he hasn't made one in a while. Yeah. I I like the two that I've seen quite a bit, like really, like a lot, Lone Star and uh the secret of Ronanish, and never bothered to like go out and see the other one. So I got to oh, do that. They're all great. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen a bad one. Okay. Yeah. 
John well, Sales. Shout That's, out to John Sales. I think he's made uh, 18 films. Yeah. He's made quite a few. Uh, finally, what is a myth, Andy? What is something people think is true that you know to be false or something false that you know to be true? Right. Or so, something people think is false you know to be true? I was arguing with a friend on Facebook, which was already... I love the. I love Good idea. every story that begins with this one. All right, look, I get it. Uh, a friend I, or some I, random asshole you used to work with at a t-shirt store like years ago? No, a friend from UCB. Okay. Um, but look, I was on Facebook to procrastinate from a writing project I should have been mm-hmm. working on. Okay. Yeah, just so fine. everyone's clear, I'm not 70 years old. I don't regularly <laughs> go on Facebook. I was just like, do about eight push-ups, and then you're like, I'm ready. <laughs> I was so I was so tired of Twitter. Twitter was like fecalifying my brain. It was just like just like. Uh, unrelenting with political stuff. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to Facebook. Wow, yeah, it'll much be, better. It'll be better. It wasn't. But he was saying that, like, he was uh, angry. He's like that people were saying, rightly so, that Bernie was the most feminist candidate running. Mm. And he was like, there are two women running. I'm sorry. And I'm just like, I I thought if I engaged with him without being like an asshole, with just being like, Hey, I, t- I, when I was a philosophy professor, I taught a class on philosophy of feminism. And I was mm. just like, without saying that, without like throwing my credentials in his face, I was just like, right. hey, that's not what feminism is. It doesn't just mean that whatever your genitalia are, right. you know, if you happen to have female genitalia, you're a feminist. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that like, um, it means that you are fighting whatever your policies are or whatever you're saying is fighting for uh, equality. Mm-hmm. It is fighting for you know fair wages for everyone. It is bringing men, women, and all nine binary people all onto the same level. Right. That's what true feminism is. I don't know. And... My favorite feminist is Barbara Bush. <laughs> <laughs> so like feminism has nothing to do. It has to do with like the policies. Mm. What was this person saying exactly when you were when you were bringing up your point about feminism exactly the, your, this argue, person was purely narrowly just saying because there are two women in it yes that they're that therefore they are more feminist that amy klobuchar and elizabeth warren are more feminist i would say I, elizabeth warren i don't have much of a problem with besides i don't think that she her policies are as radical as Bernie's, or she, and I don't think she has an actual movement behind her. By like radical, the, you mean the '90s skateboarder sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> She's never ollied. Right. I have never seen her once do the thing where her skateboard is uh, sliding. The middle of it is right. sliding. A board slide? Yeah. yeah. I've never <laughs> seen her do a board slide. Right. Hold on, bro. You're you're not equipped to talk about yeah. what's radical. You didn't even know what a board slide was. <laughs> I. This dude's well, a toy. I go to the skate park every day. I have not seen Warren <laughs> there once. Right. How many times have I seen Bernie? At the skate park? She None. says she's in favor how many times of half have I seen... pipes, but her policies yes. don't support it. Yeah. How many times yeah. have I seen Bernie at the abandoned pool where we all skate? <laughs> right. Once a week. Yeah. At but least. Beto's there every day. Right. Well, but he's not in the he's yeah. not in it anymore. Just right. focus on the board, dude. Man, I was just born to be in it. That was one of his quotes. I think that was I, the quote on the cover of Vanity Fair. It was I, just like what? I saw I did mean? see Beto there listening to classic Black Flag. Yeah. Pre yeah. Rollins Black Flag. Look at him. Yeah. So you know what? Skateboard and barefoot. Credit where credit's due. All right. uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And real quick, let's talk about the NBA All-Star Game. 
Chaka Khan had a weird national anthem, but it wasn't the weirdest national anthem. It wasn't Fergie. Fergie. Right, it wasn't Fergie weird. Whoa, what was Fergie's? It was just... Dude, it uh, was like scat jazz from hell. It yeah. was like she really took creative license. Humpity hump, humps, 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 Nearly. What was the... She just was like... Yeah. Shaka Khan went just more like... She just had a different melody. It, it it was a different, uh, yeah. It just sounded different enough that I had to check the lyrics to make sure she was singing the same lyrics. Yeah, I'm not gonna come for Shaka Khan. No, but, but exactly. It's like, what did you did you think she was just gonna do a straightforward rendition? No, hell no. Uh, was Fergie also the NBA All Star game? Yes, it was. I feel like the 2018. NBA. I feel like the NBA is like, and also have fun with. Remember, this she one. was all breathless. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, are you fucking the national anthem? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Uh, the only people that do straightforward renditions? The CIA. Thank you, folks. Oh, boy. Straightforward, <laughs> straightforward rendition. Here we go. Uh, the dunk contest was, I mean, some people are mad about the outcome. It was still, like, I don't remember dunk contests by uh, who wins. I remember them by, like, the dunks that were done. And there were some pretty incredible dunks. The scoring system is obviously fucked. But Terrible. Always has been. The dunk contest, the, the, I was watching it, and I could not stand how many perfect tens they were giving out. Yeah. Which sort of makes, there's no way to actually discern or differentiate between these dunks if everyone's getting perfect tens just because they executed. It sounds right. like the MTV uh, basketball game. Rock and Jock? Yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> needs to come back. <laughs> it's similar. Rock and Jock must come back. Viacom, if you're listening, I know yeah. you are because I owe you money. But please bring Rock and Jock back. That's like that's a game we deserve. Overall, it was one of the best dunk contests. Wait, I've you ever owe seen. Viacom money? Yeah, yeah, it's a long, look. It's they owe me money. So do you want to just pay court. me straight? Yeah, let's yeah, we can work that out. out. I'll be like, yeah, I give to Andy. So, <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, Derek Jones Jr. People debate whether he should have won or not. I think right. he did fantastic. I really think the the people Aaron Gordon can be upset because of the scoring system. Ultimately, I think it, things come down to dunks that need to be scored a certain way and if everyone's really tight going into the last round right then just any deviation ends up meaning like throwing the entire thing when yeah he, he kept escalating he was uh you know yes ending on every dunk right. that he did. i think he had the best dunk <laughs> of the contest with the off the side of the backboard thrown by markel fultz by mm -hmm. the way shout out 76ers <laughs> who also missed the backboard with his first toss i was like of Love all that the accuracy. people of all the people to put in a high pressure situation, yeah. you're putting Markel Fultz, <laughs> the dude who like just forgot how to shoot after being the number one pick. Anyways, he's doing he, better now. Yeah, he's doing much better. That dunk where he threw it off the backboard, caught it with one hand, and did a, a 360 was one of the craziest dunks. And then the All Star game was also dope. The fourth quarter where it was like first to uh i think it was like 157 or something and like they started playing defense and getting real competitive it was it was really fun it was one of it was definitely the most fun stretch of all-star game i've ever seen yes um so also get better judges for the dunk contest you know like shout out yeah. to common and chadwick boseman but like oh, put those people, are good judges put people in who like ha can dunk yeah. Or have like a great idea of like body mechanics. Like get Misty Copeland in there. Yeah. I who's your, who's your dream judges for the dunk contest? Vince Carter. Okay. Misty Copeland. Mm. Simone Biles. Um, Dominique Wilkins. Who? And Michael Irving. 
Yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Hey, he was dope in the celebrity dunk contest like in the 80s. Um, <laughs> but I just think I would love to see people who understand movement too. Right. Like Simone Biles or Missy Copeland might look at a dunk right. very differently. I do like, think Simone Alvin Biles. Ailey. Yeah, right. Somebody. I right. just like, you know, and I get it. You want to have like Chicago people in there too thematically. And I get that it makes sense to get people in it. But I also would love to just see like get people you can also see having a bit of expertise in there. Cause I feel like the more scientific you make a judging thing like that, the worse it becomes because it'll then become like the Olympic, like. Uh, Olympic gymnastics or Olympic diving where it's like you have to like hit these three yeah. points and then you like so people like get start gamifying it Gaming where this the, is the more sorry all, all around phenomenological like uh-huh. so then I okay, agree you, are you uh, technocratic solutions yes are not the way always to go. the way to go so I guess no, you do not the, we're opposite we're saying that they're not the way to go you have to understand it as totality right it's so a Hegelian so. understanding yeah. of How the much, dunk contest. So then what would we do? A 60-40 split? How many? I think, look, you get, if you're doing fi- uh, five judges, three are people who, like, know the dunk, and then two are just people who are going to give you, like, the oh shit score. Right. Yes. Who, yeah. I would go three, two the other way, so you couldn't gamify it, because if you still ha- are winning on three judge cards, then, Okay. yeah. Democratize it a little bit. Yeah, democratize it. And then it. whoever has a movie coming out. They're right, the, right. Like Queen, <laughs> Queen and Slim. Yeah. If Queen and Slim's coming out, you have them as the. Right. Or you have, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> right. You have Ben Schwartz and, and Jim Cyclops. <laughs> What's his name? James Morrison. Anyways, that was All Star Weekend. It was it was a rousing success. Miles, you were there. Are we talking about that? Yeah, I was there. You were there. That's all we got to say. Yeah, I was there. Look, I love you Chicago. Were voted what a great town. to the Eastern All or the Western All Stars, but you were injured, so you had. I was injured, so I let yeah. LeBron hop in. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're classmates. We're both uh, shout out class of 03. So yeah. out of solidarity, I was like, you know, what? maybe you should do this one. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's check in with the polls where the Democratic primary is polling at the moment. NPR PBS released a poll that has Bloomberg surging and Biden slipping, and that's all the mainstream media seems to be. Yeah, or you look. Yeah, there's uh, a. <laughs> I wonder who's at first. What well, is? What's I don't the number know. one? What? I don't know what you're talking. Some about. guy named Bernard Sandars. Right. Uh, Bernie's like a, up. By the way, that sounds like a Klingon name. Bernard Sandars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Octuk uh, Sandars. <laughs> He's at thirty-one percent, and. Up nine points since the last uh, poll from last month. Biden has gone down nine points to 15%. Bloomberg, second place with 19%. That's 15 percentage points that he shot up since the the last poll. And then with that, that means uh, Elizabeth Warren, she had a five-point slide. Amy Klobuchar had a five-point increase. Mm. And Mayor Pete... Uh, also had a bit of an decrease as well. He went down five points. To be fair, though, Amy Klobuchar has that increase because she was throwing things at the people that were <laughs> taking the poll at the mm. time, and she was screaming at them to vote for her. <laughs> she's a she's got a lot of you know there, there's a lot of interesting momentum around her clubmentum. Club sorry, sorry, sorry yeah, that. the clubmentum. Uh, and like, but it's funny to see after Iowa. Like the media try and figure out, do they want to lean more into Mike Bloomberg or sort of treat Amy Sanders or Amy Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, sort of like a outsider Cinderella picks quite possibly. Well, the New York Times has been constantly pushing for Klobuchar. Yeah, right. like when she was when she had absolutely no momentum at all. Yeah, they were like, she's going to be great, and so it's uh, 
now that that pushed her a little bit above, uh, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to p- see propaganda play out in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. mm. right? Like Bloomberg using his vast wealth to press propaganda. It's like, oh wow, it's working with because most people their brains have not been fecalified by online politics, right? And they just kind of like if they hear an ad, like uh, Naomi and I were, oh when we were at Sketchfest. Uh, we were in a lift and they had the radio on. We heard it was just like uh, one ad for Bloomberg, one ad for Buttigieg, one ad for Bloomberg, like over and over one again. One for me and right. one for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's but that's the point, right? Like you in these campaigns, targeted ads are meant to get your numbers up. And I guess when you saturate, that's what you're seeing. Like just and if you went off the ads, you would think Obama himself was like, this is the guy. Right. This is the guy. And the ads are very slick. So I, you know, when you look somebody who is not really keeping up with what the stakes are in this election or what the backgrounds are of some of these candidates, you'd look at a Bloomberg ad and be like, damn, this guy sounds pretty good. He put on like this black, uh, like architecture firm, put like has been trying to. And then put them in jail. Yeah. No mention of that. (laughs) Although, gosh, some of the rallies were very interesting when like a protester put up a sign that says he protects racist systems on the podium. And then like you're like, get that off, get that off. I would totally vote for this cruel, bloodless vampire over the vulgar, screaming uh, white supremacist. Mm. It's if it becomes Bloomberg versus Trump. What right. it's it's officially it would be a, democracy sh- is officially the darkest day. Yeah, it's like that's funeral, like November whatever third. What is it going to be this year? Uh, is officially uh, as the uh, uh, bedtime for democracy. Right, the right. dead Kennedys. Yeah, um, as be, as uh, Beto O'Rourke was telling me when we were skating together. <laughs> uh, so five thirty eight, which has a blended average, uh, has a lot of. Very bad news for the DNC in their projection because uh, they have Bernie up by a lot on any other candidate, but he's tied with nobody getting the majority, which ends in a brokered convention, essentially, uh, which both seem like apocalyptic scenarios for them because... Like, I, I don't know which one they want less, I guess, is my question. They probably want, they would probably prefer a brokered convention. Right. They're point. willing to destroy the yeah, part. We, you willing. saw it in Iowa. They're, they were willing to destroy the Iowa caucuses. That's one thing. In order to prevent Bernie. They are willing to destroy the party because they are, it doesn't, for the top people in the DNC and in the Democratic Party, their lives don't change if they destroy the party. They are still very wealthy. They yeah. still have a lot of power. Well, we were talking about how like Tom Perez had like this golden parachute built into his DNC contract, where it's like if shit went south, like he was still getting a payout. So even if yeah. the worst case scenario to the establishment happened and Bernie were to get the nomination, he could like jettison and get a check. But then people were like, there was so much scrutiny on it, they'd be like, oh, I was just joking about that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not actually gonna take a check if I leave. I will oh, say, I don't will in a second. I don't know. I haven't made my decision fully whether Iowa was like specifically uh, engineered incompetence or actual just like dumb incompetence. Uh, personally, that's I I don't know. But uh, but even in the wake of it, I I agree. We I don't think there's enough information to know. Right. But even in the wake of it, where they've where they did everything they could to not come to a decision quickly or leak out information when it was when it helped Buttigieg. Right. Right. When they're like at six why sixty two percent? That's right. the questions I have where it's just like, oh well because 
or like the uh, SDEs, right? A, a, a metric we've never used in the fucking entire existence of the Iowa caucuses. No one's. Wait, ever... I thought that's what it usually was. Isn't but you've it? never decided. You've never. When have you ever seen someone be like, "Oh, I won because I have more SDEs." Right. Well, I right? think state I think, delegate equivalence. Isn't but, that what it is? Yeah. But you, I think you the said, reason I think the popular vote was the thing that wasn't typically uh, reported. Well, because it's Sanders about the delegates. Said, right. It's usually about the delegates, I think. Uh, Do you think it breaks the party? I don't I don't know. It's tough to know. I mean, like, because that's a it's a really dark situation to be with. You go to a brokered primary or a brokered convention where they will the, steal it from. You Bernie. use the super delegates to like rat fuck in whatever way you want to, and then people are going to be like, "What is this?" Because the will of the voters is one way, but now you're and like, because I think the super delegates control about sixteen percent mm-hmm. of the delegates there. So if like it's split with like Bernie has a third, and the other two thirds are spread around four or five candidates, that's sixteen percent. If it goes all into one person, that can do a lot. Yeah, and I think that's where it gets interesting and. You would. I just think it would be a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to have a brokered convention because it's. I I could just see how much momentum, excitement, enthusiasm is just taken out at that point. But again, that's the kind of chaos that the right would love to see because that's sort of what they're used to seeing the Democrats sort of do. It's like right. somehow they've created their own problem uh, and weakened themselves. Yes, but because they really do want what the right wants. I, I really do count centrists on the right. I don't mm-hmm. think there really is an actual center. I, they actually do want fascism. They just want people to be nice, nicer to brown and gay people. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's, re- that's really all they want, but they still want basically fascism. I think that, yeah, I, I think whether that's through like oppressive systems of like, you know, our, our, how our financial systems work. I think that's really like the overlap there because they're both like, look, we're both not going to like make it hot for the rich. Let's be real here. Yeah. We can, we'll differ on those other things, but we will hold the line for like the billionaire class. Yeah. And that's, that's where their similarities are for sure. Yeah. That's what I meant. I don't mean Trump himself ripped the mask off. I mean, his election, that was the end of us being able to pretend that there is a rational discourse that can be had. Yeah. No, I don't think he. Yeah, I didn't think you were conscious saying he like consciously. No, did he's it. a yeah, yeah. He's a turd. Yeah, <laughs> he, but he I think genuinely much. I do think turd. he's a symptom of you know a lot of problems we're seeing going on, which is, I think people are generally becoming more aware of you know the how the system works and like so, some myths that we were all. Uh, buying into as a, as a culture and as a zeitgeister kind of going away because people are getting, I don't know. Uh, one, one thing that I do think just in talking about uh, 538's analysis, which has uh, Sanders and brokered convention tied, is in kind of explaining how they came up with these numbers and like what the model is predicting. Nate Silver was saying that the model was surprised that Bernie didn't get more of a bump after Iowa and New Hampshire, and they were saying that could be because he has a ceiling in terms of his support. But I think it has more to do with the fact that the mainstream media just didn't cover him as a winner. <laughs> Did you see when um, de Blasio endorsed him? It was either CNN or MSNBC says uh, the headline was de Blasio endorses Democrat. It, right. did, it wouldn't even. Oh name, yeah, when it they would Yeah, they wouldn't it, say Bernie Sanders. It wouldn't yeah. even name him. And yeah. it, it's. It is 
it is it would be that's... funny if there weren't real repercussions. Yeah. And if people's lives weren't on the line and like a better society wasn't on the line, yeah. it would be genuinely hilarious. Yeah. So I just want to say that, like, I think 538 does a pretty good job of, like, bringing all the available statistics together. I think one huge blind spot they have is that they are owned by a major media, uh, mainstream media corporation. And so they don't take the mainstream media bias into account. And Mm -hmm. I think that really the rest of the primary is going to be a story of whether Bernie and his supporters can overcome that sort of blind spot and that bias because it seems like the mainstream media is going to try and focus on whoever I mean, just like, again, despite the, the, the bizarro coverage, the numbers still increase. Yeah, yeah, and just not as much as they were expecting. Yeah, and I think that's where you see, again, the blind spot. And we've talked about this. Like, they don't – there's no there's no element of class consciousness in right. the discourse in the media. Yeah. Right. So there's a few candidates who are, who have made that, and they're not being talked about because that's really the most disruptive thing right. that that could uh, that could happen in this election are people really understanding what the stakes are and then deciding from there what the solution should be. Because I think we're past the days of like, it's the people on the right are screwing this up or it's immig- whatever it is, more to like, no, we are in a system that is completely fucked yeah. and is completely rigged. Yeah. And that's what we that's the first step to changing things. Yeah. And I mean we've talked before about how that's not just the mainstream news, that's everything about our zeitgeist and our founding uh identity myth that America is a place where you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and it almost seems profound when like a movie talks about class because that's like you I mean John Sales? Yeah, John Sales or Joker or uh Parasite people Oh. We're like, whoa! Wait a second! <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? It was. It is so funny to watch, like Neil Brennan or anyone who's like wealthy and has been wealthy for a long time, or oh, I don't know his class background, but like uh, he used to caddy. Was something he said in that thread oh. of like something about like struggle? <laughs> He's like, I grew up caddying, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. what? Maybe that was a joke. Oh. I, don't know. I just remember seeing that and I was like, this has to be a joke. It's so funny to watch people who have never had to think about class before suddenly have to grapple with it. And they, it blow, especially wealthy people, it just blows their mind that anyone could be again. Like, I don't personally hold wealthy people. If I was wealthy or I came from a wealthy background, I wouldn't want to give up my money either, which is why you have to create right. a system that. Well, right. And I like, think that's when those arguments start to go out the window. And when you see people start like having solidarity with billionaires, because they're used to this argument is like, well, if they get a hit, that means the people that work for them also take a hit rather than being like, hold on. The inconvenience actually trickles down to the person at the lowest rung, not the highest. They're not saying none of these people in these boardrooms are like, all right, man, we we took a hit. We're going to have to take smaller salaries next right. year. They're like, no, fuck that. Just fucking cut off one of these offices. And then we've 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 saved ourselves a couple hundred million. How many fucking viable businesses have we seen in the last year or two? Either online. Look, um, Meltdown here in Los Angeles. Right. They raised the rent. It was a viable business. It was one of the uh, linchpins of the comedy community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wonderful comic book store. They raised the rent so that they couldn't. Uh, exist there anymore right yeah. all right uh what just closed down hq yeah right uh the trivia game closed down not because it wasn't profitable because they wanted to be extremely profitable and they wanted to right uh same thing with um 
what was the comedy thing that just shut down like two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Uh, I'm not, not sure. Not funny or die. Uh, college humor. Oh, college, college humor. humor. Yeah. College humor just shut down, not because it wasn't profitable, but because they wanted to be e- extremely profitable. Right. Yeah. Right. All these things where people just want to—they're just extracting without having any kind of social consciousness or care for uh, making a better or more interesting society. They just want to suck out as much value as possible so they can buy like what a twentieth boat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and that's where you see like who's who who benefits and who bears the burden of it. Right. And it's constantly people on on the lower end of the financial spectrum are the ones who bear the burden while the people just laugh their ass off on their boats. And then like Betsy DeVos has like, you know, when her 40 million dollar yacht catches fire, people are like, hell yeah. Right. Because <laughs> uh, what the fuck is are any of us going to know about owning a 40 million dollar yacht? None. Most Did of us just want the. Yeah. Caught like. Some shit happened to her yacht. There was like a kitchen fire. Or something, or it fucking was, it she got was like, loose off I the dock. Adversity. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> but like what you're saying, I, I don't know. There is this, I think people are now hopefully, and I think they are slowly starting to see who the people are that are actually standing in the way of them being able to flourish or to be able to live in a way that feels like you have dignity and respect. Right. Which we just don't. You have to afford to be able to live with dignity and respect. And that's oh the bottom God. line is like, we're just saying there should be no price tag on that. Right. Rich people eat so well. The handful of times I've gotten to have a fancy meal. Oh my God, it's so delicious. It's so good. <laughs> or like, this is the thing that drives me nuts. Like the example I always use is like air travel, mm-hmm. right. which is li- like in your face, first class. I mean, right. it doesn't like- It's it, snow it, piercing. There's no class system. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, first class. First class and broke ass <laughs> class. Right. Everything is commodified right. in air travel and it is the worst fucking experience unless you are wealthy. Yeah. And they make it that way too. So like- in a way, it's like watching Cribs where you see how they do it and you're like, oh, I would love that because where how I live is not like this. And then when you're on a plane, you're like, these seats are so fucking small. Like over there, the fucking shit's wider. It goes back more. It gets you sick because they don't clean it. Like yeah. the whole fucking yeah. thing is really bad for you. Could you, you imagine if uh, sort of what we were talking about the one of the last episodes is like the cleaning is even different on the, on the plane. Like first class, like Ecolab comes through and like right. make sure it's like met surgically sanitized. Meanwhile, like in the back, they're like, I don't know, Febreze the shit. Yeah. No, but you can pay 10 extra dollars if you want yours cleaned well, if right. you want your seat cleaned well. If you don't pay that 10 extra dollars, I mean, you're, just, you're gambling with your health. I would fucking pay that because it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to get yeah, COVID-19? I always, I always forget to bring those wipes that like you can just wipe down your whole seat yeah. with. That always like, find a parent on, yeah, on the plane. Exactly. They're always, like, you're like, hey, me. let me get one. Let me score one real quick. Yeah. All right, Or a guys. dog owner. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and Subway is back with a new deal. Yeah. I did not know that five, five, five dollar foot long went away. They killed it two years ago. Yeah, but that oh, song is so yes. catchy that it's still in my head to this day. Oh, yeah, it was is it so catchy. because Jared was so associated with the five dollar no, foot long? it's because nah, it was man. doing in the franchise owners. So the deal is great for the customer, Right. But for the restaurant owner, terrible. The margins are absolute dog shit, and you can't make. You're giving money away when you give away a five when you sell five dollar footlongs. Uh. So they look. I love Subway. Okay, yeah. I love I love the tuna sandwich. People know I'm certifiably, verifiably, maybe disturbed 
when yeah. it comes to my sandwich. No, there's sources. something wrong with you for sure. You're but, twisted. But I love the bro, franchise owner. Twisted, man. <laughs> I'm twisted. I fuck with Subway tuna, bruh. <laughs> um, so the five dollar they did away with it two years ago, and in the two years since. Around 1,100 stores went out of business. A lot of them were saying because of this deal. Like, it's actually terrible for us to sell these sandwiches at that point. So, they have a new promotion, which I'm sure franchise owners are livid about. This time, starting March 5th, Subway will offer people buy one, get one free on all foot-long sandwiches as long as you order um, online or use the app. Right. That's going to be a terrible for the like the restaurant owner. What is yeah. the what is the benefit of that? Like okay, so right why now, get people to use the app? So here's this is where it goes back to what's happening in the C suite, right? Yeah. So at the at the very top, they're trying to say, look, we we really need to make up more like mobile and online business because it only makes up for one point. This is like boardroom talk. Only one point four percent of our business. How can we grow that? Okay, so that if they do this, hopefully this promotion can get a jump to at least five percent of their sales coming from mobile, mobile or what online. What does that do? I like think it, why? Like if it's that low, why increase? Because those are numbers that matter to Wall Street now because they've seen like, and so it's just you have every quarter you have an earnings call where you get like your CEO gets on the phone and talks about the quarter you just had based on the numbers that you have in front of like the people who invest. And then analysts ask you questions. And so a lot, basically all of a company's strategy is driven by the, like that hour and a half long call. And people, you know, it like you feel the, the ramifications of that all the way down the a corporate ladder. And you'd be able to say like, hey, we increased online sales. But here's the thing. The franchisees are all asking, what is, is there going to be compensation from corporate when I'm giving away a fucking sandwich every time they buy it through the app? Their answer is, uh, similar to other offers, there is no additional compensation. Right. Of course. So, so, some, so the Mark Zuckerberg of Subway, Mark, Suburber, supper, supperber. There we go. Supper, dude. There we go. That's the best we're gonna do. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Uh, so he his uh his pocketbook gets bigger. Yeah. Um, or it's just a weird way to show weird growth that actually is of negatively affecting your franchisees. The guy who they have running it is like the former CEO of Burger King, and one of his last things he was doing at Burger King was he was like wanted a. $1 double cheeseburger like promo and that was going to be sold at a loss to the franchisees. They voted to reject this promotion twice and then he overruled them and was like, no, you're going to sell the 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 franchisees. The the franchisees voted to not uh, to reject it, but the CEO overruled them and they had to do it. Wait, the CEO is not held accountable to the voters? This is what's weird. I mean, this is a thing that you see like this reminds me of the overall Walmart model where like Walmart is going to all these communities and putting mom and pop shops out of business. So, uh, you know, that money doesn't stay in the community. And it's almost like there are these vacuums that are just like sucking up all the money and like taking it to some centrally located place. And it's like if when it comes to like whether they're driving value for the centrally located corporation or like that local business, it's right. always going to be like moving value to the, the uh, central yeah. headquarters, and that's why you see a lot of suffering like all over the world, where there's not these giant mega corporations located 
Um, and with this, it's just another version of the same thing where it's, you know, the thing that drives value for the central group is is what's being valued as opposed to, you know, what drives value. Damn, all right, for Marks. Yeah. What was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. What yeah, was, it's true, though. I mean, like, what was Mitt Romney's company? They, Bane. 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 Now there's a it's group so, that does it right. It's, Bane. it's so, it's like we live in a comic book now. We right. do. It really does feel like that. Um, Cause they, they're just like, yeah, we're going to be outright villains and you can't do anything about it. Right. That's basically it. Right. Um, but like they did that with like, it was a Toys R Us or was it KB? They did it with one of the toy franchises. Again, a Both company under. that made money. Mm-hmm. They went in, they leveraged debt on it and then sucked out what they could. And then let it fall apart. Raiden, baby. Right. Raiden it. Yes, um, Raiden from Mortal Raiden Kombat. Raiden from Mortal Kombat, yep. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, though, I just wish, look, I want some franchises as you a rogue. You know what I mean? I'll support a rogue subway. Yeah, what stops them? I would actually, that would be a great thing. If you if we said right now, if there is a subway franchise that says, fuck you to the corporate whatever, yeah. corporate center, we'll support, we will rally around you. Because yeah. I'm like, just give me that same, well, I guess- It'll be slightly different, but at the same time, I I want them to bring the U gouge back. Right. You know? A lot of the sandwich artists don't know the U gouge like what, they used to. Yeah, the U gouge was the. It's when they used to take the top part off, like it was right. gouge, like a U shaped yeah, piece was it, taken off. Yeah, the top. turned it into a little yeah. bread canoe. Yeah, it was almost like a bread bowl. Uh, yeah, sandwich. DSA, you need to start a Subway Justice Committee. <laughs> right. right. Let's talk about uh, two <laughs> two related stories. Uh, Boy Scouts going bust. And the fact that it's National Chocolate Mint Day. Uh, they're not related to no, each other related. causally at all. Yeah. But my my explanation for why the Boy Scouts went bust is they should have created Boy Scouts. That's cookies. really dark concerning the reason why they're filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> right. It's because of all of the sexual abuse claims oh, against them. So it's not cool for me to be like, they should have done this smarter Check your mentions. Decision. Let me know how cool that was. <laughs> what did the uh, Boy Scout Pope have to say? Well, right. this is funny because it's very similar to what the archdiocese, like certain archdiocese in the Catholic Church have, have done and also USA Gymnastics. So with the Boy Scouts, they're looking at hundreds of sexual abuse lawsuits at the moment. And they're filing right now. They said their liabilities range from a hundred million to five hundred million, and assets of less than fifty thousand mm. dollars. Um, <laughs> but the whole reason is like Christ. they do this because it puts a halt to like any kind of existing litigation, and then they have like an opportunity to like have like a larger settlement for all the people that have sued in like one final resolution. But again, this is very similar to the same thing that USA Gymnastics and certain dioceses have done. But yeah, it's it's wild to think that this thing has been around for a hundred years. Yeah, basically, is it because the weights on your uh, your derby cars kind of looked like testicles? <laughs> I don't I don't remember. Were that. they? I never. I was. You guys never, never in made a, a Pinewood Derby car? No, I see, did. It's funny. But I don't. I don't remember the weights. little counterweights you would have to put in them looked like testicles. Oh really? Weren't yeah. they like they were washers? Like the original truck nuts. They were yes. <laughs> the original truck nuts. Pine nuts. And then I just remember, like, kids in my class were doing it. Like, they always had graphite dust or some shit they were using. I'm like, what the fuck are you making? On the, they, they were dusting the for fingerprints. Oh, no. They were getting, <laughs> they they were getting their faster, crime. Right? They were getting their uh, cold case badge. They, was that one of the merit badges you could get? Yes. Yeah. yeah well, shout out to the Eagle Scouts. Uh, I have a few friends who did that. I'm not sure what you do with that now. Uh, oh, man. They, they oh, know it's retroactively taken from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, shit. Andy, it has been a pleasure 
having you, man. Where can people find you, follow you, hear you? Uh, at Andy Beckerman on all your social media platforms. Um, I have two podcasts. One I just had the 10th anniversary of. Wow. Uh, it's called Beginnings. And I have uh, fairly serious, almost Freudian talks with artists I like about their childhoods. And on the 10th anniversary, it was Stephen Merritt from The Magnetic Fields. Holy shit. Oh. I've talked a lot. I mean, uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, Abby and Alana have been on the show before a couple times. Great uh, folk duo. <laughs> Abby and Alana. Um, That's yeah, Broad they, City, Abby and Alana. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, they oh, were a Simon and Garfunkel duo? cover band. Right. Yeah. Uh, Tab Quelly. Um, Holy wow. shit, man. Um, in the 10-year... History of the show, and also uh, uh, on this very network, couples therapy. This very network. This very network. The very network you're listening to. With my dear wife Naomi, right. uh, wonderful stand-up who you have seen, uh, listener, dear listener, you have seen <laughs> everywhere from Comedy Central to Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have uh, we do a live show and we cut it up and put it uh, where we have uh, comics who are close do sets together about their relationship. Mm. And uh, we bring it to you. Sometimes we have people in studio. This week it's Wendy McClendon Covey from uh, the Goldbergs. Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we answer your advice questions. It's great. Awesome. Uh, and is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Yes. Oh, um, this is. I hope this doesn't disqualify her because she is my friend. Um, but uh, at Hallie Kiefer, she's wonderful. She is a great stand-up. She uh, writes for Vulture. Not disqualifying at all. Okay, great. Well dressed, great skin, seems rich, strong, silent type. I'll say it. Who wouldn't fuck Brams? <laughs> the composer? The uh, the doll from the horror movie. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Brahms? It's the doll. That's great. Yes. Wait, which movie? There. Uh, what is it called? I, I really don't know the answer to that. I just know that it's... I, know, I knew enough of the reference to laugh out loud at that. And I, I picked a tweet, whatever tweet made me laugh out loud. Boom. The boy. The boy. The boy. Thank yeah. you, yes. Uh, From the boy and the boy too. Oh, it kind of looks but like if Jared you... Kushner. <laughs> yeah, it does look like Jared Kushner. Holy shit. Hey, ow. Ow. Okay, the boy. And that is what Trump calls him. I couldn't think of what's his the wife's boy. name. Ivana? Ivanka. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's silly. That shouldn't be her name. Uh, Miles, where can people find you and follow you on what's a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra, talking about 90 Day Fiance, the wonderful garbage fire of a show that will help you feel good about your relationship comparatively, because that is always healthy. Um, Some tweets I like uh, (laughs) from Reductress. Wow. This woman cut out the toxic people in her life, but still follows them on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, And also this one, just as a child of the 90s, coming of age then, uh, also from Reductress, Whiteout celebrates 60 years of being nail polish of choice for girls in study hall. (laughs) And also for anyone trying to customize their Jansport. Yeah. Uh, tweet I've been enjoying. Rob Delaney tweeted, "My first job in Hollywood was doing the big poop that Laura Dern reaches into <laughs> in Jurassic Park." Oh yeah. And then I'm just gonna play this part out loud. Your favorite Zoe tweeted, "Shout out to the Black Queen that told Jennifer Hudson to sing, bitch, during the Kobe tribute." <laughs> <laughs> Sing it, bitch! <laughs> it's like dead silence. Let him know. 
Jennifer Hudson back by a huge like portrait of Kobe, just like very poignant. So it's just like overcome, overcome with hey. the moment. It was amazing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. footnotes. We link off to the information <laughs> that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on Miles. What is that going to be today? Uh, this is from the group Drug Dealer. Um, oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, a uh, former guest on Beginnings. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Michael Collins? Yes. Yeah. Oh, dope. Uh, yeah. He's a LA guy, isn't he? He, um, not originally. He's from the East Coast, but I think he made his name out here mostly. He rode the rails. We talk about that on the show. Ah. He spent a lot of time like a hobo riding the rails. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, That's I remember. That's where he's from? The rails? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be where Run DMT, from, if you remember that group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this track's called Suddenly, and it's just got, how would you describe It's like very, I feel like I'm in a fever dream where like maybe like a like some session tapes from Elton John got a bunch of acid poured on him or something. Is it a cover? of that suddenly it, no that's no. finally finally <laughs> wow <it's happened> <laughs> sorry i got that song on the brain yeah so this one's suddenly uh yeah so check that one out all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's gonna do it for this morning we will be back this afternoon to tell you what is trending we will talk to you then bye, bye. Thank you.